Well, welcome to uh, Guerrilla Discipleship. I'm Kevin Baker. I'm Tim Parker. We get to be your hosts uh, each week, and we love doing this. We love talking with you, uh, talking about how to be disciple makers, trying to to get better practiced at uh, being disciple makers, and encouraging others to be disciple makers to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us. So we have begun in this new year a um, a series called what we're calling Paradigm Shifts that are uh, needed for disciple making. We just want to get our thinking more in line with what Jesus was intending for us when he gave us that great commission of going to all the world and make disciples. So we uh, we started last week. We're going to continue for a few weeks. And today, Tim, if uh, if we can get through it, we're going to try and get through uh, two more shifts. Would you introduce those for us? Yeah, our first shift is from my church to God's kingdom. And the second one is from accumulating to deploying. Yes. So let's take those one at a time. So the, the I've been a pastor for 35 years, and I can tell you all of my seminary training and most conferences that I've gone to uh, were basically designed to build my church. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it was. You know, the idea is, and I think most pastors feel like our burden, our, our job is to build the church. But really, Jesus never asked us to do that. In fact, he, he said in his word, I'll build the church if you'll make disciples. So there's a paradigm shift here that we really need to make. Tim, could you say more on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I haven't been a pastor nearly as long as you, about a third <laughs> of the time. Um, but it's always grow how to grow your church, how yes. to get first-time guests yeah. back in your church door. Yeah. And I think it's partially, from a pastoral perspective, a little bit of pride, a little bit of ego. Right. Uh, how do we measure if we're doing a good job or doing a, you know, being healthy, if yeah. things aren't growing? And then even from a person who's just a church member, we want to see our church healthy. Yeah. We want to see it grow because growth... Um, typically, not always, goes hand in hand with with um, with health and things yeah. like that. So people want to invite friends to their church or they want to see their church need to create another service because right. this idea that growth inside of a four walls is a good thing. Uh, and just kind of in the Western world, how we, I don't know, correlate health with growth. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we want to be successful. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're designed to be successful. Uh, we, we feel good about ourselves and we're successful. We don't feel good about ourselves and we're not successful. Now, of course... Success is another one of those things that um, the the biblical mm. story doesn't invite us to be successful. Right. It invites us to be faithful and says that when we're faithful and trusting in God, he will make us successful. But as we strive to do this, I think one of the biggest things that really has shifted in me over the last couple of years is how much I was focused on, uh, as we've said mm. before, building my castle or the castle that God had me in charge of, but God really invites us to have a kingdom perspective. And so that's a a difficult shift to make, that we want to begin to think, hey, how can I grow God's kingdom even if it doesn't directly affect my castle? We we tend to in church church land, whatever, pastoral (laughs) world, uh, and, and church people, right? We look and we say, oh man, there's more butts in the seats, there's more people in the pews, those kinds of things make us feel like we're being successful, successful, but that doesn't mean that we're, if we're measuring simply crowd size, I don't think Jesus measured things by crowd size. And so uh, you can attract a crowd. In fact, that sometimes leads us to all sorts of strategies to just get people mm-hmm. in the door. But what we've been commanded to do is to make disciples. That's how the kingdom is built and developed, is people becoming followers of God in, in their lifestyle, uh, in obedience to who he is. And so we want to begin to have a kingdom perspective. We want to begin to say, wait a minute, I'm not so much going to worry about building my kingdom. 
or my castle rather, I'm going to worry about how can we as a team, as a family, as a congregation begin to expand the reach of God's kingdom in, in the world around us. Any, anything else, Tim, uh, that we can I, say about that? I kind of want to, I think one of the issues that pastors or maybe even church people struggle with is that we think, I'm going to go back to pride a little bit, the, or selfishness, that our way, our theology, our preaching, our worship is somehow better than the next door churches. And that's why we go here versus there. That's yeah. why people church shop or church hop, depending yeah. on what you want to use. And so we kind of like thinking that our football team is better than the other football team. And we kind of, that carries over into Christendom. That carries yeah. over into church land, if we want to call yeah, it both. Exactly. Where, well, yeah, your church is good, but my church has a band. Or, yeah, your church is good, but my, my pastor tells funnier jokes or wears right. better clothes or, you know, or, or cool. And we kind of have that comparison. And I think that's that's dangerous because we're not, um, I don't know, the Eagles playing the Chiefs or the Ravens yeah. playing the Steelers. We're all on the same team, and we don't act like it very often. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> when we are thinking about building my own church, our own mm-hmm. churches, it really puts us in competition with other churches. But God would say there's only one church and only. There's really only one church in the world. Yeah. There's just different gatherings of that one church across the world. If we keep thinking, I, I need to build my church, then inevitably I feel like, man, I, I'm in competition with the church down the street. Mm-hmm. I don't want their youth group to be bigger or their ch- service to, I don't, oh man, people like their pastor or their music better. And so we get into this competition with, with when we are really supposed to be partners in kingdom building, in seeing uh, the the life of Jesus and the power of Jesus and the people of Jesus spread throughout the earth, instead of gathered in one particular place. Kind of brings us to that next paradigm shift, which is that we we want to move from accumulating to actually deploying. We tend to accumulate people because, again, as we've been saying, it makes us feel like our church is being successful or our ministry is being successful. Tim, would you say a little bit, uh, what, 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 what do we mean by deploying people? Um, I think equipping people to go out and be in the mission field, yes. to go out and love their neighbor, go out and do it. I think when you have, this goes back to the last one a little bit, it ties together, my church, my pastor, then right. everyone wants to come for the pastor or for yeah. the sermon or for something uh, that they like. But deploying is different because you're not trying to accumulate to bring people in. You're trying to send people out. You're trying to um, help them to love their own neighbor and help them to lead other people to Christ. It's not just going through one pastor. Uh, I used an analogy this past Sunday about uh, as Christians, we're called to be the fertilizer in in the world. And how are we supposed to see the seeds grow and church planted and things like that if we're we're fertilizer? Because you put a a pile of crap in one place, it burns the ground. But if you spread it out thin... That's where uh, fields can grow. And so I heard you use yeah. the word crap in crap. the pulpit. I told you. Man, that's, that's, that's some bad four, stuff that's there. Four-letter word for me. Yeah. Um, the more, <laughs> the, the thinner you spread out. That's And I think that's the idea of deploying is yeah. we want you not to sit in one place. We want you to encourage you to go out and be that salt or be that light in that area. You know, I think it would be interesting if we began to measure churches not by how many people were in the pews, mm-hmm. but, but by how many people were making disciples. How many of the people gathered are actually also discipling other people. Uh, You ask the average pastor, they know how many people are in the pews, they know what their budget is, those are the things Mm -hmm. we evaluate. But if you ask those same pastors, how many of your people are actually being used by God to make disciples of other people? How many generations deep is your church? And I don't mean in terms of how many generations are coming, Mm -hmm. but how many generations uh, of the kingdom are being built through your church, I think a lot of pastors would say, I don't know, because we don't measure that. Imagine if we did. Imagine if we began to say, 
How is our zip code being impacted by our particular church in terms of more people coming to know Jesus and beginning to follow him and obey him? Because our people, and the great thing is I, I have an experience right now. My mom has uh, been in the hospital and she is uh, needing, we were trying to get in, her into uh, a, a rehab. And I had a conversation with one of our church members and uh, she used to work at the rehab place. I won't name her because I haven't asked her permission here. But but I, I just, as I talked to her, I thought, I am so glad that we have nurses and people who mm-hmm. are out in those places who love God, who are caring for people. Because when I called and said, hey, I'm just trying to figure this system out, she was just so gracious and, and helpful. Isn't it great that God plants his people, kind of as uh, mm-hmm. Tim was saying, he plants his people in accounting jobs and in CEO positions and in, you know, uh, custodian positions, mm-hmm. wherever, because God is, is seeing those seeds of his kingdom grow through all of those different people. They're going to impact people that Tim and I never will because, well, we're not, you know, accountants or we're not working for that particular company. We don't hang around with that particular group of people. We're not on that bowling league. And so the reality is that we want to get to the place where we're equipping people and deploying them, not just attracting them. You know, it takes both, right? We want to continue to cast vision for people to come to to faith, but we we want to focus our attention on really deploying people into the work. And maybe there's another shift here that I I just would have to say is that I think that we have, and maybe we'll cover this later, but we have too often thought that discipleship really happens in the church, mm-hmm. but Jesus said, go into the world and mm-hmm. make disciples. And he discipled in the marketplace. He discipled people where they lived and the mm-hmm. jobs that they had. He didn't say, come to the temple, meet with me from nine to 10. And we'll, he, he, he got out of the temple. He sure, he was in the temple, making sure that the religious people heard the proclamation of who he was and what God was doing. But he was out in the marketplace inviting the Zacchaeuses and mm-hmm. the, the Matthews, the tax collectors, the, the my goodness, the demoniac, the, the mm-hmm. folks who were possessed by evil spirits. He was saying, God's calling you to be a disciple and to be a disciple maker. That Gerasene demoniac, he, he wanted to follow Jesus. He said, no, no, no. You begin right now to become a disciple maker by telling people where you live what God has done for you. So deploying is what we want to make a shift from this. Hey, we want to get more people because it makes us feel, it addresses our ego and our pride, as Tim said, to if we have, in fact, how many people did Jesus deploy? Well, he really gathered 12 and deployed them. I think most of us would agree that that he had 72 that he deployed at one point. Mm -hmm. When he ended his whole three years of ministry, this is Jesus himself. There were about 120 followers of Jesus. Uh, he had crowds of thousands mm-hmm. of people, but he wasn't that interested in just gathering a crowd. If Jesus wanted to get crowds, he knew how to do it. Right, he would often grow, gather a crowd mm-hmm. and then kind of tech, talk in big parables and big yes. pictures and then wait for people to come back to him. Exactly. To, to get the deeper and get the good stuff. Right. So we need to make these shifts because yeah. otherwise we're going to feel like we're failing. If I measure the success of my ministry based on how many people are sitting in the pews, then I've got to do everything I can to build that. But if I'm measuring the success and the faithfulness of my ministry as to how many generations of people are being impacted, how many disciple makers am I raising up people who, as 2 Timothy 2.2 says, that 
that uh, Paul shared with Timothy, who shared with other people, who shared with other people. There's four generations of disciple making. Paul was concerned about us helping others know how to help others who could help others. That And Jesus did the same thing. He taught three or four generations deep. He was teaching the crowds, but he was teaching the disciples while he was ministering to the crowd so that they would know how to go out and do exactly what he's done. I hope all of this is making sense. I have a, a, a good example. I mean, Come on. Or at least a good way that uh, I think Oakdale's... You always have good examples. <laughs> a good way that I think Oakdale's really taken this one. I think out of okay. all of them... We've done, we hopefully do a good job at many of them, but I think this is one that we take really seriously. Yeah. Because before I got here, I know there was a shift in our new wildly important goal all week. Yes. And instead of saying we want 1,000 people in church or 12,000 12, or 1,200 church, we said we want right. to send out 1,200 disciple makers. Yes, that's right. And after five years, Oakdale did it, but only, what, a third or a fourth was actually in our own community or even right, in Maryland? Right, right, right. They were all, it was, yeah. it's been amazing how God has said, Hey, if you begin to have a kingdom vision, yeah. he'll open the world to yeah. you in ways that you weren't think. We think sometimes so locally, right, in our own zip code. Yeah. And yeah. so we sent out disciple makers, and the majority of them weren't even in Maryland or even exactly. our own area. Yep. Because we said we care more about deploying than we care about bringing people in. Right. But somehow people kept coming in, people kept being discipled. But we said, we don't want you to sit here instead. We want you to go and work in God's kingdom. And I think that way perfectly shows what um, deploying looks like. It's sending out disciple makers, not caring um, whose field they're working, as long as they're working in some field. You know, there's it's something I feel like we just have to say, at least it's it's kind of on my heart uh, from the position that Tim and I are in, is that uh, this requires the boards and, and congregation yes. to really have a, a heart for this, because if you think about this, if the board is saying, hey, we hired you to grow our church, and we're more as, as leaders interested in deploying the church into ministry— that may or may not result in a particular, one particular gathering growing, but a kingdom growth. Uh, if the if the leaders, the pastors, and the congregation are not in sync on this, then we're measuring success or, or faithfulness by two different standards. That could lead to a lot of, of heartache and, and heartbreak. So I don't know exactly who's uh, listening to this or who's going to be reached by it. But if you're a leader, a pastor, uh, we want you to begin to make these paradigm shifts. But we, we also want you to begin to help your congregation make these paradigm shifts so that they can say, hey, in fact, wouldn't it be great if all of our congregations were holding us accountable on what's the kingdom impact that we're having? How many generations? We want you to hold us accountable for the, the, the discipleship that God's called us to be a part of. Are we, ask us, are we making disciples where we work, where we uh, live, where we, with our families, so that we're continually seeing the kingdom grow? Uh, that's that's a big paradigm shift, and it needs to match. All of us need to, to be on the same page with that. So, um, so we want to go from accumulating to deploying. We want to stop building our castle, build his kingdom. That's what he invited us to do. Uh, and I think we can trust that God will build our castle. Yeah. He, he said, I... In fact, when he first sent the, the 12 out, if you remember this from the Gospels, he told them, don't take anything extra with you. Don't take any extra shoes, any extra clothing, any extra food, any extra money. I want you to see that the worker is worth his wages. He, he wanted us to understand that when we're serving God in these ways, God will take care of our needs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when we're striving hard to just build our own castle, um, 
we miss out on the supernatural provision that God wants to give us as we trust him, as we're building his kingdom for him and laboring for him in his fields. All right, I think we've beat that. Uh, yes. I mean, th these are hard. <laughs> Paradigm shifts are hard, but I hope we've done a, a good job of introducing you to uh, these two. If, as we're going through this, please, if you're like, man, this paradigm shift is confusing for me, um, would you let us know? You can always email me at kbaker at oakdale.church. T. Parker at oakdale.church. As Tim says, you can comment down below. Uh, we just want to have this as an ongoing conversation. And I want to say one more thing before we close this week, and that is, would you pass this on to some folks uh, that you know that mm -hmm. maybe are churchgoers so that we can begin to get the whole of God's uh, church represented here in, in our communities to begin to grasp and, and once again get back to the biblical understanding that God has invited us into. It's full of joy, and, uh, and wouldn't it be great if we were all beginning to see kingdom growth more than just my own castle to grow? Mm -hmm. So please uh, share that and contend, continue to be a part of Guerrilla Discipleship. Tim and I love uh, what God is doing here. And we just love spending time with you like this. So thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you guys next week.